0: Good morning, y'all. My name is Aaron Adelman, and I'm a Kashmirian. Probably a lot of you guys in here uh, might recognize or or know my family. Um, As Kashmirians, you know then that here in Kashmir, we've got uh, school spirit. We've got a lot of drive to play sports and be competitive. And so this morning, as I was kind of thinking about an icebreaker that I might bring to you, and I was thinking about sports, there's one memory in particular that always stands out. I wish I could forget it, but I can't, and it's a memory that is also really uh, kind of embarrassing, which you'll find out. I was kind of on the fence as to whether or not I would share it, but I'm going to go full throttle and and let you guys have it, but uh, so one of the sports that I played was uh, track and field, and in track and field, I was a pole vaulter, and I, I was, I think I was a decent pole vaulter in that I could be competitive at a state level, and so at this point, I am a sophomore and really looking forward to the next competition, which just so happened to be up in Okanagan. And so go up there, compete, and right at the end of uh, my pole vaulting, I am going for a new personal record. It was something like 13 feet, which for me at the time seemed big. And ultimately what happened was um, when you when you pole vault, speed is important because you you run at this little divot in the ground where you place your pole at full speed, locking your arms out straight so that the pole will bend and pull you upwards as you jump. And so I had felt like my form was good. I I had just vaulted uh, really well beforehand, so I had a lot of confidence going after this this new record. But It happened that I realized, as I'm actually going airborne for 13 feet, that I didn't have enough speed to get into the pit. And so I stopped somewhere upside down and knew that I would fall short of the padding. And so as I'm coming down, I fell back down onto the pole with straight arms so that it bowed and slowed my progress. But when I let go of the pole, it straightened up and it straightened up really fast, and it managed to basically hit me right in the wrong spot—the spot where all fellas never ever want to get hit. And I mean, in that moment, I I felt like Mike Tyson's punching bag. It was the trauma was terrible, and so uh, an emergency room visit, uh, an ultrasound later. 6 weeks later I'm I'm back at it and I can be honest in saying that my love for pole vaulting had definitely been affected. I did not go back. I could not recover the momentum I had towards kind of growing into the sport. So but one thing as I'm thinking about sports is the presence of family. You know, in this town, you know, your family shows up and roots for you. Your community shows up and roots for you. And I was fortunate to realize that, that I had family that made a point to do that. But there was a disparity there between other families. Other people's families may not show up. Maybe their fam- families weren't together. Parents were divorced or just busy working. For whatever reason, I, I realized during that time in high school that my family was unique in that way. And this morning, as we dive into Galatians 4... Uh, which if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, feel free to open it. Um, we're going to notice right away that Paul uses a lot of family talk. You know, families have interpersonal connectivity. You know, they share things. They know things about each other that other people don't. So when Paul starts off this letter, you know, he he, he refers to God in heaven as Father, and he refers to Galatians the people who this letter was written to, as brothers and sisters. And I think he, he does so intentionally so that the things that he's going to say next won't sting quite as much, right? And so uh, his family talk, we can bring up the first slide from Galatians 3.26 through 4.7, reads, "...for in Christ you were all sons of God through faith." "...for as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything." of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You'll notice as you read through that section that we just touched on, that he repeats son, child, adopted child. It's it's a theme throughout that section. And for us trying to understand it this morning, it's important that we reflect on the context of what that meant during those times. And so sonship in biblical times, isn't, it wasn't the same as it is today. The differences were that sonship, sonship meant that the son would bear the responsibility of carrying on the family name. So that, that's kind of true today as well but let's go a little bit deeper. It meant that whenever the name of the family was represented, it it was everything from values, beliefs, culture, it kind of demonstrated the family itself and continued to propagate those ideas, those behaviors into next generations. Secondly, it was the eldest son's job to um, kind of carry out the duties of providing for the family. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about the eldest son having a birthright. And essentially what that meant was that the eldest son would receive a larger portion of the inheritance. So he would get the most. Maybe if there's other sons, they might get a little bit. And then if there were daughters, unfortunately, they wouldn't get anything. And the reasons for this was because um, back then, the duty of the son was to continue in his father 's footsteps providing for the family so he would learn the family's trade and therefore when the father stopped working, he would need all of the tools all of the resources that his father had in order to continue to be successful and of course back then the families you know families were big and so this was a big responsibility <clears throat> And it's different than today, if you think about it. I mean, today, um, we're not as concerned with the duty of sonship to carry on a family legacy. And so, back then, the things that were inherited were like animals, tools, you know, maybe a little bit of money, maybe some land, stuff essential to, to running this business. But today, you know, we our assets are a little bit more liquid. You know, we have... Stocks and money and bonds and land as well. But it's the purpose of a son back then was for the provision of the family. And today that, you know, we see that as sons or daughters inherit things from family, you know, then they have kids and and those kids inherit the, the stash that the family had kind of built up gets dispersed and gets smaller with each generation. Back then, the goal was the opposite. And so naturally, as we start to, to look into Galatians 4, it's important for us to understand that because it, it, it helps us to, to, to see how shocking it would be for Paul to say what he's saying here, right? He's saying that, he's saying that you know, you're all sons in God, that you know as an heir that you are no different than a child and that in time that you received adoption from God and that as sons part of our adoption part of our inheritance has been the spirit of God and so Paul he's he's blown him out of the water with this saying everybody is an heir everybody can be considered a son so to speak. So, I mean, there's no reason. There's no reason, ladies in the in the group, to 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 feel bad about this. I mean, think about other areas of the Bible where God refers to sons as brides in Christ. You know, it's 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 it. The, the, the principles that we're talking about remain true, and and there's something to learn about God's um, feelings towards us in that. So, this. This statement that you are now all adopted children, that's also a really big deal because we didn't, you know, he's, Paul's telling the Galatians this, and we can also infer that God feels that way towards us, that there's nothing that we have to do in order to earn this position of an adopted child. There's nothing that we could do that would um, make us worthy of that. And that, I mean, that is an interesting thing and important for the Galatians because they're struggling over issues of the law. Like Stephanie talked about in, in chapter 2, you know, they, they had this disunity within their church body because half of them, maybe more, were saying, no, no, we need to stick to the Old Testament law. We got to live by these rules. And Paul is coming back and saying, no, no, it's by faith that you have been saved that you have been made sons and daughters all heirs and so why are you why are you fighting about this and so our as adopted children it's important for us to understand what that what that means what that is you know and adoption happens in kind of there's two pieces that are essential to it, and it First, a, an adult will take on legal responsibility for a child. That's one piece. But the other piece is that in order for that to happen, the previous parents, the biological parents, will have had to choose to, to, to give up that child, to reject that child. And there's tons of – there's tons. I mean, there are probably people listening right now who have been adopted – There's tons of people from our history that are recognizable that you know who have been adopted. Just to name some, Aristotle, Babe Ruth, Michael Orr, Lance Armstrong, Steve Jobs, J.R.R. Tolkien, um, Bill Clinton, John Lennon, uh, Charlie Chaplin, Michael Bay, Marilyn Monroe, Steve McQueen, Jamie Foxx, Jack Nicholson, 50 Cent. Okay, Run DMC, Eric Clapton. These people all knew what that felt like. And so the first takeaway I want to give you today is that um, we have been chosen. That God has chosen us. He's not rejected us, but he's chosen us. Nothing we did to earn that, but for the faith that we put in Jesus. And that's a I mean, that is a comforting thing when a lot of us have experienced in this life rejection of different types. Ephesians says that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he would be holy, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus according to the kind intention of his will. He intended for us to become his family. And so we are then heirs of a family, and we're heirs of a father. You've been accepted fully, you were once outside the fold, now you're inside the fold. There was this sudden change in legal status that took place that now you are in. And it's funny, like I think about this, and what came to mind as I was preparing was um, Oprah Winfrey. Remember the Oprah show? How her studio audience sometimes would receive these like crazy gifts. And I remember one clip, you know, and, and usually it might be one or two of them that got something really special, but in this one I'm thinking of, she's like, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and everybody gets a car. Faith, faith is like that. The unbelievable has happened, and it's been happening throughout the ages, and we are now heirs that get to carry on that legacy, and that's, that's a gift. It's an amazing thing. So, as we talk about this, uh, let's put up Galatians 4, 6 through 7. We're just kind of going to take apart this last piece of the scripture that we read together. It says, And because you are children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave, but a child. So slavery back in those days was different than what we think about when we think about American slavery. Slavery could be that back in biblical times, someone had borrowed money from another person and hadn't been able to pay, pay them back, and so then they are beholden to them to work until that money is, is, is returned, is paid off. And so the point here is that to be a slave, to be a, once have been a slave but now a child, that's a dramatic change in position because a child can't be fired. Slaves or hired people can. Child can't be cast aside so easily. And so this transition is unique and it would speak to the Galatian people who may, I mean, even at the time of receiving this letter, might have been trying to work off those debts, you know, experiencing these kinds of things. So God has chosen us and he's adopted us. We're no longer slaves. Takeaway number two Adoption into the faith family also means that God accepts us. Acceptance is something that I think all of us wrestle with. I mean, think about it. Um, For me personally this morning, my heart is that I would bring something good that God wants us to have. And so prayerfully I prepared. At the same time, I'm like you in that getting up and speaking in front of people, it's not, not an easy thing. And so acceptance becomes uh, kind of on the back of my mind. I, I want to be accepted. I want you guys to be blessed. And if you think about acceptance in your life, everyone searches for it. Everyone searches for it desperately, even at times. It might be acceptance, you know, in your family because you felt like the black sheep, or nothing you could ever do was good enough, or maybe you're looking for it in a relationship. But friends, the type of acceptance that God provides is not acceptance that can be found anywhere else. It's the kind that, that propels us into deeper relationship and prepares us for relationship with other people apart from God. And Jesus knew this kind of acceptance. I mean, think about from Matthew right, right when he was baptized You know, we see this appearance, you know, the dove coming down and the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well well pleased. At that point, Jesus' ministry hadn't really fully kicked off. It was just about to. So for him, he knew the acceptance of his father. And now Paul's saying, we too are sons. We too are children of God. You too are accepted and loved and affirmed in the same way. And that's something that I think that is just, it's difficult for us to know. It's difficult for us to experience and to really live. And so bringing it up this morning, I, I hope that the Lord will, will do a work in us that confidence will be built in knowing that we've been chosen and accepted regardless of what we're capable of, regardless of what choices you make now or in the future. So do you know that you're accepted by God today? Do you, do, you, do you know that you're chosen? Does your life reflect that fact? Because it is one. For me, practicing these kinds of things, I, you know, I, I try to be intentional when the Lord is speaking uh, about something specific. And so, just to give you a practical example of maybe a way that you could get traction, I'm a guy that needs reminders. And so for me, at my house, my front doors are glass-paned. And so I can take a white, whiteboard marker and just write acceptance up there so that every time I come or go, I can see it. Or you could be someone who, you know, puts a sticky note on your, on your mirror so that every time you're getting out of the shower and getting prepared, you see that to be reminded that you are accepted and you have the room to breathe. You don't have to try to earn anything in terms of God's acceptance and love. Takeaway number three, if we are no longer slaves but children, then this passage that we just read says that we're also heirs. Heirs through God. And that means that we have the security of a father, a heavenly father. Excuse me. The security of a heavenly father is important when Right now, the life that we live is is temporal. You know, if you knew, knew that you knew that you knew that you had an inheritance, and for us, that means eternal life. That means life with Jesus, with God forever, once this life ends. If you knew that you had an inheritance, a big lump of money, something like that, it would change the way that you think about your future. It would change the way that you Um, live into it, right? And we have that. We have that eternally, but we also have that now physically. You know, and, and we know that we have that because when things like illness come along or financial hardships, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and the economy turns down. And something happens with your kids. We have security in the midst of the chaos around us. We've got a place, a person in whom we can retreat to. A father who has seen all those things that have happened, has been with you as you've experienced those things. And that that's a... That's a meaningful thing. That's a really that's a really big deal. And so the security that we have from him though, we see that Jesus sought that same security when things got crazy in his life. And Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. And so was he under stress? Most certainly. And what he did is he he would retreat to 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 prayer, to to be with his father. And he would seek the support of his father first. And for us this morning, one takeaway in knowing that you're an adopted child is knowing that your Father's always there, ready to embrace you, ready to support you, provide security for us. And when times get crazy physically here on this, in this life, and we feel like, gosh, we, don't, we just don't know what's going to happen, how we're going to get out of this situation, again, we get to follow Jesus' example and retreat to the Father directly for comfort, for peace, for security. But secondly, we've also got a family. We've got family members. I mean, this, this room is full of people who know and love the Lord. And who, who whoever might be struggling this morning, these two have experienced struggles and know and are ready to come alongside and support and pray and invest. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about when I first became a Christian, there was kind of this gray area between my secular life and when I gave my life to the Lord. I had, you know, a a group of friends who did not love God, and I had kind of been, my heart had been prepared, Spirit was working in my life, and I was just about there. And right then, um, kind of some strange things started happening. Tim Williams reached out to me, you know, and Josh Talbot. And I kind of, I, I was prepared enough to be willing to reconnect and, and invest myself with a different crew at that point. And these guys were paramount because they demonstrated to me what it was like to be an adopted son, to be an heir of a father in a family. And it was almost, you know, with their, with their example, uh, it, it supercharged um, the focus that I put on pressing into the Lord and laying aside the old for the new. Lastly, takeaway I want to give you today is that if we're heirs, we're heirs who have access. We've got access to God. Tim Keller writes that the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And we have that kind of access. Access is a precious thing. You know, when it comes to just being people, physical people, you know, that we need access to things like food, water, shelter, stuff like that. But also on that list is relationship. We need relationship. Take, for example... Babies, you know, you you hear about these stories of that orphanage was filled with all these children. Without physical touch, without love and attention, those babies die. And we are like that in the sense that we were dead until God chose us, adopted us, and gave us access to him. And that happened through faith in Christ. And that is the point of Galatians chapter 4. Paul is saying, hey listen guys, you can, you can just stop with the, the doing of all this stuff. Faith is what has made you sons. Faith is what has made you daughters. And as such, access to God is yours. It doesn't have to be earned. And so today... There are undoubtedly people who are listening who um, wrestle with things like loneliness, fear, anxiety, um, depression, uh, frustration, feeling hopeless. There, undoubtedly, there are people in this room who know what those things feel like. But in faith, we've been given access to the one who heals, the one who restores. As Andy put it last week, he said, The gospel is that lost people find purpose, hurting people are healed, bound people are freed, lonely people included, deceived people get revelation, hopeless people dream, weak people receive strength, discouraged people hope, sad people become joyful, hungry people become full, poor people prosper, fearful people become courageous. This is the gospel. And so, in closing, as heirs, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit inspires us to go deeper, to press in, in spite of what happens to go after God with everything that we have, and to also inspire other people. That's one of the principles of Christ Center's mission, is that we want to see people come to know the Lord, and we want to help to facilitate, be prepared in that process to bring people together. So, meeting as a community and spending time with the Lord are two tenets that this church is built on, that our mission is about. And so, a couple questions I want to leave you with. Let's see where. A couple questions. Uh, have you been taking advantage of the access you've been given to God? Do you, do you take advantage? Do you do you know that you're an adopted son or daughter, an heir, given access, and do you take advantage? For me, practically, I drive to work um, about an hour and a half every day. It takes both directions, um, and for me, I take advantage of the access I have in this simple way by, you know, listening to worship music and just having that time with the Lord, or a book or a podcast you know a, a sermon something that something that draws me in and deeper and so whatever that might be for you I'd encourage you to consider doing that and make it a point to do that because access is a precious thing number two are you also stewarding well the access you've been given to your church family are you involved here in this community small group prayer group uh Alpha Course, other kind of ministry If not We each have something to bring And we each have something to invest And we all benefit when We do Lastly, are you intentionally Limiting access to things That might hinder your relationship There are certain things that Absolutely we want to avoid You know Pornography Is one of them And there's also things that we want to limit access to, right? It might be social media or, you know, uh, gaming or um, just unhealthy friends, unhealthy relationships. There are things that aren't helpful that don't pour fuel on the fire of going deep into God. And so we want to limit those things. And so are you being intentional about the access that you have? And are you being intentional about limiting the things that might hinder your progress. If you want to know why it is that we've been made heirs, then come back next week as we dive into chapter 5. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for each person uh, here present and those who are listening uh, on the internet. Thank you, God, that um, the work of, of Jesus made a way for us to have access to you, uh, to be adopted kids. And what a, a, a pleasure and privilege it is um, to have the benefits that come with that. And God, I pray that today that um, anyone hearing this message would be challenged, that your Holy Spirit would challenge us to, um, to, to look closely at how we're stewarding those gifts. And to inspire us, God, to press in deeper. Thank you, Lord, for the the, the love that you have for us and especially for for Jesus. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.